Sorry, my own clothing label so called Yale. That was so good. <laughs> a little, oh, shit. little tilde over the E. Yeah, yeah. Yale, what's up? Yale in the house. Yale! That's what you get for wearing a shirt that says Yale in the front, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Sitting next to me, as always, my partner in time, Said Omar. Sitting next to me, always, is my partner in crime. Chris Nahibi. Welcome back to the show, everybody. You know why I cringe hearing my own last name still? Is it Nahibi? Is it Nahibi? I don't know. We'll never know. I would. I want to just change it to Nichols. I want to ask one of those eight balls. Remember those back in the day? I still have one of those. No, you do I not. To, how do you yeah. hold it again? I did not hold it like Saeed held it. <laughs> it was like this. <laughs> I never cut my make it, Does this make it better or worse? I don't cut my eight balls, bro. <laughs> That's all you. Did you ask me questions like that, too? Please, Mr. Eight Ball, can yeah. I have another? And behind the ones and twos... No other than Odun. DJ Baboon without the bees. <laughs> I love it. For it. That was I nice. Strategic. I like that. Well, this week we have a special show for you. Um, we're going to talk to you in detail about the Fed. By popular demand. Yeah. Out of our five listeners, three of you decided that you wanted to hear about it. So, yeah, that's a, that's a quorum, kids. And this gives us a reason to always point back to an episode. Like, if you want to know more about this... Head on over to that episode where we d- dove deep. Yeah, or talk shit. Depends on how you look at what we're going to say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of shit talking tomato, tomato. in this one. But what kicked off this celebratory occasion, you might ask? Mm. What? The Federal Reserve Board joined TikTok and Instagram. Can you believe oh, no, that? No, no, sorry. Threads and Instagram. I got a little overzealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Jerome Powell, right on the top of the screen there. I'm doing mouth effects now. <laughs> <laughs> he popped up on my Instagram with a little blue check mark, and I, I thought for sure it was an AI gag, and I, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought this is the best. This is how fucking good AI is. No, it was real. Yeah. Jerome Powell, actually on Instagram. And we reached out. We're just waiting No, no, for- no, 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 no. I made a comment about this is going to be on the show tonight. Yeah. And I saw that they saw in my stories. The Federal Reserve is literally creeping in my stories, bro. Oh, wow. So when I saw them creeping in my stories, I was like, well, the natural thing to do is, can I get an interview with Jerome Powell, please? Yeah. Of course, I do it all classy-like, not like, you know, me, because I don't want them to know that it's me. Right, so, right. may we please have an interview with Secretary Powell for the podcast, please? Yeah, we'll just take up 15 minutes. No, I will probably take, like, three hours. I would love that. Yeah. Hey, Jerome, you remember how you said you were, like, communicative and, like, you know, dependent on data and... <laughs> What happened? Yeah. <laughs> not really seeing that. I'm not yeah. really feeling that. I feel like you're taking advantage of the moment. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. a little bit. He's enjoying the spotlight a little too much. Yeah. It, you gave me the same look that Jada gave Will, and we saw what happened. Yeah, man. <laughs> you're doing that, Jerome. Right. Can I just call you Jerome? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that, Jerome. Yeah. JP. I call him JP. You probably guess that a lot. I want to be unique. You think people people in the FOMC call him JP? Yeah. No way. Yeah. They're, they're, I wouldn't, they'll probably not call him Jerome. They'll call him Jay. Jimmy? No. Jerry? Is it, it can you, This is, seems like a totally valuable part, part of the show. Can you see if there's a nickname for Jerome? Like, yes. you know how, like, Chris, Christopher. Right. Dick, Richard. Right. Bill, Robert, Will. Bob. Yeah. Bill and Will is, no, no. Will, James, Jim. William is Bill. God damn No, it. no, no. William is Bob. Nicknames for Jerome, popular culture, funny, and unique. Derived from the Latin, I can't even say yeah, that. Yeah, I said. 
Jer or Jerry? Oh, okay. Got that. Look at me. So was Jerry Seinfeld's real name Jerome? Could be. We'll never know. Oh. I am flabbergasted. I feel like I learned. I was going to say the same word. Yeah. Jinx. <laughs> All right. Well, kicking it right off in the Fed. Uh, we'll skip Lance for now. We'll get back to him at the end of the show if there's time, Arun. But let's let's kick it right off into our friends over at the Federal Reserve Banks. So many of you have asked questions uh, about how this works, how they're elected, what they do, their primary functions, all the fun stuffs. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to go to a throwback all the way back to 1913. Well, you might be saying, Chris, why the fuck do I need to talk about 1913? That's before uh, the Great Depression. Uh, that's before a lot of the way we do things today ever started. Well, that's because that's when the Fed was created, kids. Yes, it was. Why? Why was it created? 1913. Back then, there was there had been many run-on banks. And what, what the government officials thought was necessary was there to be a centralized bank mm -hmm. to basically back all the remaining banks. Because for a while, you know, banks like J.P. Morgan were fronting their own money to actually help some banks survive. I don't know if you know if you found this, but there's actually a conspiracy theory about the central bank. No. Ah, going back to the Titanic. So, if I recall correctly, oh, uh, we did. We spoke about this on the show once. Yeah, one of the wealthiest men in the world, who was really, really opposed the idea of the creation of a central bank, was on the Titanic, and apparently, all the other heads of the banks were also supposed to go. Yet, those heads of the banks who did support a central bank. They never made it to the Titanic. This wealthy person, I think, at the time owned 40% of all the outstanding mortgages. Yeah, he, he was. He, Something, he, that's what it was, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he was a big figure, and he passed away on the Titanic. So a conspiracy theory is that, that people knew the Titanic was going to go down or that it was a setup and that it really didn't hit an iceberg. And this was largely the reason why, because he opposed and he had the political clout to oppose the creation of a central bank, which these other bankers wanted. And we have a central bank today, so obviously uh, that didn't go well. So, right. for, yeah, we'll uh, take off our tinfoil hats now. I like my tinfoil hat. I mean, you, I could do a whole episode on why aliens rule the world. We should do that one episode. What the aliens one? No, like a full deep dive on conspiracy theories. Oh, I got a lot. like our favorite ones. I got a lot. I got a whole lot, bro. And we'll open it with flat earthers. Close it with Illuminati. I'm not afraid of that. Easy, Arun. Do you have any idea what we're talking about right now? A few. Oh, nice. Okay, there you go. There you go. All right. So we're not that far left. There you go. All right. So how does the Fed work? The Fed has many, many important jobs. We're going to get into the details, the idiosyncrasies of that, but obviously making money. It prints money, not as in like making money as in earning it, but it prints money and makes sure that there's enough to go around without too much or too little. Mm -hmm. Hence, quantitative tightening and quantitative easing, yeah. right? Putting more money into the economy, taking more money out of the economy. But Why? when they say, but not sorry to cut you off, but when, when people say that the Fed prints money, they don't actually mean physically print the money. Maybe at one point in time they did, but now nowadays, like we've talked about on previous episodes when we talked about the Fed now, it's all done electro electronically now. Yeah, and it's really the mechanism of buying more or putting more into the market or selling more into the market. It's done through buying and selling of assets and their balance sheet as opposed to them like literally printing. Right. So if the Fed has a balance sheet, which you can actually go online and check at any point in time, see what the balance sheet has on it. From uh, one of their districts, which is from New York, I believe, uh, New York's Fed actually has their uh, balance sheet on their website. Yeah. And you can see 
that their quantitative tightening cycle, right, which is what we're currently in right now, right, pulling liquidity out of the markets, pulling money out of the markets, you can see their them buying and actually increasing their balance sheet, mm -hmm. right? So that is effectively kind of one way that the monetary policy stuff works. They also have responsibilities for watching banks and regulatory oversight. They have responsibility for the Fed funds rate, the Fed target rate, which we've seen a lot about. That's what they talk about with these Fed fund increases. That's exactly the whole point. And we'll get into why that's important and, you know, how it actually plays such a huge role in their, this entire process. And it is a lot deeper than that, which we will spend some time on. The Fed has leaders, of course. The chairman, as you may know, Secretary Powell, is our man with the plan, mm -hmm. who's now on threads and Instagram. This guy, unbelievable. So he is uh, grasping the spotlight by, spotlight by the eight balls, and he's just shaking the shit out of yeah, him. You, know, he he thought, you know what he thought, right? He thought, I haven't been communicative enough. Now yeah. I got now I got to get on the socials. These kids, they're not seeing me. They're not watching the pressers. Yeah, I got to get to them. The next Fed meeting is gonna be live on Insta. Yeah. Oh God, streamed. <laughs> yeah. I would love that shit. So the comment section was there in real time from everybody. Oh my God! And Ooh. then you, and then you're just gonna have the higher standard over here, just trying to join join the live constantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that, so many people do that when you go live. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's always like some people I get like because they know you, but some people like randoms they like, try to join. Like, like, I just know those are penises just waiting to be on camera. Yeah, like, what are you hoping to happen? Yeah, I, I know what you know that I think that you know that I want to see. Right. And I don't want to see it. I've actually never uh, logged online. I know there's a bunch of websites out there that have that, like, roulette of, like, where you go from person to person. Whoa, what kind of websites are you going to? No, you've to? seen those. They have them all over, uh, like, on YouTube shorts. They're on there all the time where people are. I have no idea what you're talking about. Arun, do you have any idea what you're you've talking never about? Seen, you've never seen this before? You've never heard of this? Nope. nope. Oh, wow. Okay, well. Maybe we'll save it for another episode. So what's I've never, I'm saying I've never done it. So what people do is there's like these chat roulettes where you jump on like a FaceTime and then you, it just it takes you in and out of a chat room with somebody else. And it's almost like speed dating, but it's like online. Why would I want to do that? No, but kids nowadays are all into that. Wow, you're such an elitist. These kids nowadays are all wow, into it? Dude, are you? What, what's, your, what's your angle? I'm sure what, what's your agenda right what, here? It's not just kids. Don't, don't classify an entire like, you know. Segment of the population is all oh, these silly kids. Oh man, fuck them kids! Wait, you really don't know about it, Chris? <laughs> Whoa! Wait, no, I did not yes, know about did, that. Bro. No, I did not. Is this like an app or what is this? This is actually. Oh no, this I is. I think it's a website. Honestly, it's literally just like a website you go to and you just hop on. It's literally like another Facetime, another Facetime. So you did know about it? Yeah. Yeah, he was. I, th I thought you were fucking with him. He was trying no, to. No idea. He, he was trying to tag team against me. That's what he was doing. He did that intentionally, didn't he? Yeah. That was kind of malicious. I'm so proud of him right now. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Good job. Mm -hmm. I should point out you look very skinny today. He's right. on Ozempic. <laughs> Are you getting it from Transcend? Yeah. Exactly. That's all I care about. Not right. Yet. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the, the details. We're going back to the top. We have our list of notes that we're going to read to you a little bit from because I think it's important. Sai, you want to kick us off? What are the Fed's jobs in detail? They've got several main ones. They do have several main ones, and the two that they they always talk about their dual mandate, if you will, even though there's more really at play here. Number one is to stabilize the prices of things in the economy, like making sure that inflation doesn't get out of hand. And the other is to provide maximum employment for everybody out there in the labor force. Wow, I just totally ignored the list we put together. That's fine. Well, I'm just saying those are the two main ones that I believe, I can't recall, it was in... Uh, what year was it? It was early on that they, it was after the 70s, actually, um, after uh, Volcker, right? The Volcker era, my, at, favorite, my the, favorite era. Right, from... it was it was after that era that 
they realized that they they need to make sure that you know providing maximum employment was something that they really needed to hone in on because when they do try to control stabilizing prices and their number one tool that they use in order to accomplish this is increasing the Fed funds rate, right? Which ultimately is, you got to remember that the, the Federal Reserve is a bank. It's a centralized bank. It's a bank for all the other banks out there to utilize, mm-hmm. right? And this Fed funds rate that we constantly refer to is basically an interest rate that they can charge banks to borrow from one another or from them directly, right? Yes. Yeah. And when this when this interest rate that they use because when inflation gets out of control, they can affect the inventory, the supply aspect of supply and demand, right? For instance, if inflation on houses go up, they can't they don't have the access to put more units online. But what they can do is try to control demand. And what they do is by increasing their Fed funds rate, it ultimately affects other things, which should theoretically lower demand. So many of you might be saying, okay, well, why would anybody in their right mind be opposed to the idea of a centralized bank? Well, I can tell you that there are a number of economists um, that have believed that the best way for the stability of the economy over time is to allow the economy with as little government intervention as possible to run itself, which means you will have good times and bad times, a little more volatility, but they believe that having the volatility over time helps correct the markets mm-hmm. as opposed to the government intervention that we're seeing vis-a-vis these centralized banks. And I don't say government from a political standpoint. I mean, as in sponsored by the United States government, which is really where the creation of, of these, these occurred. And as much as people think there's a political tie to the system, there isn't. There is a nomination portion of this and there are some political allegiances for confirmation purposes but they are not necessarily politically chosen they're independent and i want to stress that at this point in time more than any other time because obviously with the november 5th election coming up mm-hmm. in 2024 there's been a lot of fodder and rumor that a lot of the things that are happening in the system right now from a monetary perspective is really some type of ramification from politics or some type of ramp up to the political environment. Right. And I would argue that's not the case for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the economy that we're facing today is the result of 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation. Mm -hmm. That spans many presidents, not one or two. Right. And that spans, uh, frankly, many different political backgrounds. But to your, to your point, it's also, there's a lot of strategic play here because at the end of the day, a lot of this could be PR, right? So the current chair of the fed, Jerome Powell, um, the chair, let me backtrack. The chair of the of the Federal Reserve is appointed or nominated, right, by by the president. And then they're obviously voted in by Congress. Okay? So once 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 it's approved. The current chair was nominated by former President Donald Trump, right? Right, but just nominated alone doesn't mean that it's a political tie. No, it's not, but this but here's but here's my point. It it serves it, it gives the current sitting president, Biden, a tool in his back pocket. He's out here going around telling everybody, Bidenomics, baby. And then sure enough, when election time comes around and if Bidenomics is starting to get, you know, trashed, he can say, oh, this wasn't my guy. They clearly acted late, right? He said that inflation was transitory. 
I was I was misguided. So he can now fire him and maybe put somebody else in place, right? I mean, I guess in theory, uh, you have to be voted out. It'd be a little more than just firing per se. But just as a recap, the Federal Reserve has twelve regional banks and a board and a board of governors in Washington D.C. When it comes to voting on monetary policy decisions, there are twelve voting members of the FOMC or the Federal Open Market Committee. These twelve members include the seven members of the Board of Governors, including the chair and vice chair, the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Was that John C. Williams, I believe? I believe so, yeah. Um, and four of the remaining 11 presidents of the regional Federal Reserve Banks who serve one-year terms on a rotating basis. Right. So somebody right now, like Neil Kashkari. <coughs> Sorry. There man. it is. I yeah. thought you were going to go the whole show. Somebody like Neil Kashkari, who right now doesn't have uh, a vote, could eventually have a vote. And thank the Lord Jesus he doesn't. I know, right? I got to be honest. Some of the stuff that guy says, it just irks me. Yeah. I watched... Um, Oh God! Uh, was Perfect Strength? No. Um, fuck. What was the one with uh, Urkel? Oh, Family Matters. Family Matters. I watched an episode of that while I was in Hawaii because I couldn't sleep. Okay. And like er early days or like older times? After he got over Lara and was dating the new girl. Oh, so Stefan was Stephane very much. Stefan was already in play. No, it was pre-Stefan episode. It was one where he first gave her his pin to commit. Oh, okay. But before Stefan came around and then won Laura back. Stefan, what a G. What a G. Which is really just Jaleel White being himself. Yeah. But you know how the character was designed to annoy you? Yes. But he's the main part of that. That's that's where Neil Kashkari is for so me. Also like Phoebe from Friends. Very annoying. I never really watched a full episode of Friends. I mean, clearly you, you messed up there. I probably did. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I got into it as an adult with, with my wife. Yeah, she she introduced me to it. So just to recap, she introduced you to what other series? Friends. Friends. Uh, Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> was that a choke or was that no, just, it's was just that right just, now? Right yeah. now we're going through a tough time. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she got me to agree to watch Game of Thrones. So, so effectively, you've watched rom coms, um, uh, nighttime soap operas. And questionably softcore porn. If it wasn't okay, and Odun's the one that got me into Marvel. So if it if it wasn't for for him and and my wife, I only stick to sports. Okay, hold on a second, Rune. First of all, thank you. You're doing the Lord's work. I appreciate you trying to make him more of a man. Obviously, you failed. <laughs> uh, but I I think the but effort I'll say was I, there. I stopped at Endgame. I mean, I don't understand how you can go past Endgame. It's that's the end game. It's over. How how can this still go on? Okay, this is obviously a teaching moment. Okay, so when the game ends, yes, you go practice and get back in the game again. No, man. This ain't right. You this is play, too have much. You, have you played Monopoly before? I have. Have you played it more than once? Yes. This is not, <laughs> that's not the same thing. I'm just saying it's the same thing. Is it really? Yeah. Is, is that how people look you at it? played a game of basketball before? Yes. Many play, times. Play a second game? Yes. Why? The game ended. No, that's not the same thing, same man. Thing? These, the character development, man. I'm married to these characters. Now, if the character subtly changes, this isn't the one that I fell in love with. Who is this? That is not how comics work at all. No? No. So they're the exact same character. No, no. Doctor Strange didn't change. You know, he's one of my favorites, by the way. The the Many of the characters, because he has a beard like mine. I get it. No. Yeah, no, I get it. It's fine. I love you, too. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so the characters do evolve and change over time. Uh, Wolverine passes away I mean, in that, the comics. That's not Marvel, but it's cool. 
No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, all these let's characters. Stick, let's stick to one topic. Okay, fine. Let's go back to the uh, yeah. The chair of the Federal Reserve has a permanent voting seat, which is unfortunate for us because Jerome Powell is that chair. Mm. And the vice chair uh, can vote in the absence of the chair. Sadly, Jerome Powell has not been absent. The other 11 regional bank presidents participate in the FOMC meetings and discussions, but only vote on the aforementioned rotating basis. The structure is designed to provide input from various regions of the country and ensure a diversity of perspectives in the decision-making process regarding monetary policy. And that right there, I think, is a fundamental problem. Okay, how so? I get that you want to have a limited voting committee. And I get they listen, and they're in these meetings where the committee gets together and they listen to one another and their opinions and thoughts. Mm -hmm. But why don't all of the members vote? Why, why, that's still diversity of perspectives. I mean, I understand it's more difficult to get a quorum, a consensus in some circumstances, but why are we tailoring that down to seven? Yeah. Well, there, it's, it's also, it's also different, right? So the, the presidents of each of the districts, those aren't the ones, right? There's a board of governors that they get a vote. And then four, four of those other districts are allowed to, Chime in and vote. The Board of Governors plus the Fed Secretary. Plus the Fed Secretary. And four voting plus, members. Or, or New York and then four additional. Yeah. But And that, that part's on a rotating basis. I mean, you're right. I, that part doesn't really make it sense. It seems a little antiquated. It does. It seems a little antiquated. Uh, but let's go back to the top here. I want to go to that list of detailed list of the responsibilities before we get into the Fed members themselves. Because I think that some of these responsibilities are a bit different than what most people think of. Okay. So obviously, Saeed brought up the, the dual function, right? Monetary policy mm-hmm. and jobs. Yes, or stabilizing prices and maximi- uh, right. maximum employment. But they also control the money supply like we alluded to originally, right? One of the most critical functions is how they control the money supply by the amount of money that's currently available in the market. Right. Number how two. Do, how do they do that, though? Well, uh, <laughs> they do this by adjusting interest rates, and they have some other tools, quantitative tightening, mm-hmm. quantitative easing. Um that encourage a little bit more of that. There's also, um, I believe, the reserve requirements for banks. They can increase to so increase all banks. Right. Outside of their primary regulators, they can, incre- can increase the reserves that they have to hold on tap. Right. Which would pull liquidity out of the market a little bit. Right. Make things a little bit more restrictive of a monetary policy. There's a little tools like this and that here and there. But by by far and, amount, far and away, controlling rates and controlling the balance sheet, quantitative right. tightening and quantitative easing. Right. Those are the two main ways they really accomplish that goal. Yes. And uh, for everyday Americans, how, how it impacts them, by them raising the interest rates, it costs you more to you know pay your credit card bill. It costs you more to buy a home. It costs you more to you know, buy a car. And then for companies out there on a much larger scale, it costs them more to pay back their debts. So let's break this down, though. It's not a direct one-to-one. Right. Like remember when we talked about the treasuries and mortgage backs and loans and the, the relationships are thought to be connected, but they're not really connected? Yes. This is a very similar thing. So the Fed funds rate, okay, the central bank is really a bank for banks, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. They increase the Fed funds rate, the, the cost for banks to borrow money from the central bank. Mm-hmm. So now my cost of funds as a bank increases. I pass that along to you, the consumer, by increasing my rates to you on things like credit cards, on things like home loans. So it's a trickle-down effect. It's not necessarily directly related. 
I don't, and this is a key thing that I think a lot of people get confused that banks don't just lend out their money, right? They also borrow money, right? Yes. It, yeah. So if I'm a bank and overnight I see that my, my reserves or my capital, right, is, it's coming down, I can go to another bank mm-hmm. and that night and borrow money to make sure I meet my reserve requirements. Mm-hmm. And then that interest rate is controlled by, the Fed funds rate that we're talking about. And this is how all banks operate and make sure they maintain some level of balance. And their profitability to the extent that they can as well, right? Yes. So now this gets a little bit more complicated because you think about it in the context of them borrowing money and then lending it out. But the real context is, is they lend out money every single year over the course of decades, right? Right. So that means their weighted average rate or their weighted average coupon in bank speak, if you will, in their portfolio is really the sum conclusion of all the loans in their portfolio. And if you're making single family residence loans, mm-hmm. right, it's all dependent on risk. Those are considered less risky than some business loans. They're usually fixed rate product. So they're going to stay the same. That weighted average coupon is going to stay the same. The only way to get it up is you make rates in a higher interest rate environment. Right. And to another, to your point also, the other thing people need to remember, so like we said, they're a bank for banks. So they, their Fed funds rate, when that goes up, that's not only the rate that it costs for them for a bank to go borrow money from them, but also what it is is banks can park their money at this bank and earn an interest, okay? And because they're getting more of a of a yield on that savings, <clears throat> excuse me, they could ultimately – so that's why they have to charge more for their loans, it really comes down to one simple concept that I think is overutilized in social media and the internet. And I hate to say it because people will generalize and bastardize it. Arbitrage. Mm. Banks really operate on a complex system of arbitrage. The only exception are investment banks where they typically invest their money into a structure hoping for massive upside potential. Right? M&A activity, stuff like that. They get fees. They get all sorts of other things. But that is not what we're talking about. Banking in general, this type of banking, right? Mm -hmm. Just your normal community bank, your regional bank, your deposits, your loans, your simple banking. It's all a concept of arbitrage. But the arbitrage gets way more complicated as you add in extra variables. I can go borrow money from the central bank. Let's say it's at 5.6%, right? That's expensive. What if I can go borrow money by pledging my loans that have good interest rates to uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of uh, Texas or San Francisco. And let's say I can borrow at 4.5%. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to choose the 4.5% because it's a better arbitrage. That gives me more profit right. than the 5.6%. Mm-hmm. 1.1%. You're saying, well, Chris, that's not a lot. But on millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and even a small community regional bank can move $100 million in leverage pretty quickly. Right. And when you're talking about that much money, and this is the part that I think gets lost on people that really aren't in this sector or maybe don't understand, you know, finance um, as well. well we're, we're talking about basis points, right? It sounds so incremental. It sounds like it's not, it, it doesn't sway a lot. But when you increase something as, as big as like 75 basis points, which is really just 0.75%, okay, sound doesn't sound like a whole lot. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, mm-hmm. trillions of dollars. This is a, a huge impact. So where this becomes really, really prominent is 
I would say most community banks, regional banks, and even some super regional banks operate on a profit margin of around 2%. Yes. Plus or minus, but generally 2%-ish, right? Maybe a little over the 2%. That means their costs, right? And their profit, their, their, their profit, their earnings, the net difference is about 2%. So when you raise interest rates at the cadence that we've seen over 5%, mm -hmm. you've wiped out their profitability for the most part. Right. Now, the other problem is, is that it takes time for them to catch up. But the system gets really, really complex. And here's an interesting thought. Let's say your treasuries are paying 5% today. Okay, and, and, the, and just a refresher, the treasuries are what? Uh, well, well, the government treasuries, yeah. the government bonds. Yes. Government debt. So let's say you can go borrow. Let, let's just use a, a good example. Let's say the 10 years at 5%. Okay. Right? And let's say I can borrow from the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco for 3%. Mm -hmm. If I borrow 200 million at 3% and then I go buy treasuries at 5%, yeah. I'm now making 2% on hundreds of millions of dollars. Great. Sounds like a great That's deal. Extra income. Yep. It's a great deal right until mm -hmm. the cost of funds goes up and the treasuries go down. Now those things that I bought as assets to make my balance sheet stronger and safer are, are now an unrealized loss. Right. You have an amazing way of grasping things. Do I? I'm doing this. He's referencing the fact that it looks like you've got two eight balls in your hands right so now. So we're on, we're on the drive over here tonight, and I say, hey, Arun, I need you to chime in more, okay? <laughs> I go, I He's doing it. I mean, Arun, and I say, you know, to you. Good job. You know, like you could... Maybe you could like prep and read the articles, and so you can figure out a way to wow, chime in. Wow, that's a more. backhanded insult, right? I'm just find a way to, and then and this is how he decides to chime in. I mean, he's doing exactly what you asked. My grasping. You are making a lot of. Hold on, I know handsy. No, I speak you're the... with my hands. I do. I'm very hand communicative, but I don't look like I'm grabbing testicles you, when I do it. Yeah, you just look like you're slapping them away. <laughs> That's an immature reference. Is it? Oh, that that's yeah. immature. That's immature. Got it. Completely off track now. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm very happy to continue. Continue, please. Well, before we got pulled off track, uh, we were talking about controlling the money supply. Um, the second thing, obviously, the Fed is responsible for is managing inflation, which has brought us to where we are today. I don't need to go into details. I think most people get that mm -hmm. at this point in time. The third thing, though, promoting full employment is part of their dual mandate. And this is where things get a little interesting. Number four is supervising banks. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Fed oversees and regulates banks and financial institutions to ensure they operate safely and soundly. They also protect consumers by enforcing laws related to banking and financial practices. Right. So, okay, Chris, why is this a big deal? Well, because here's the problem. There are several things that the bank supervisory arm of the Fed and the controlling money supply, worrying about inflation and jobs portion of the Fed, which are distinctly different divisions, aren't aligned on. Mm -hmm. And part of those have caused some of the problems that we've experienced. So, for example, the supervising banks has typically required historically banks to stress test their portfolio by 4%. Yet we've raised rates over five and a quarter percent. Right. So it, it's certainly a disconnect in what we were doing to regulate banks versus how we actually implemented monetary policy. And I hope someday the Fed comes back and explains a little bit of the logic and why they felt some of the steps they've taken 
uh, at least that seem to be very unique and different than they've ever done before, why they were necessary, but mm -hmm. it remains to be seen why there's a disconnect. It also seems to be a little bit of disconnect between uh, this function of supervising banks and that of the FDIC. Well, so there are several different regulators, uh, and depending on the size and scale of your institution, you may have one or a combination of, of the regulators. So uh, in California, for example, there's a California state regulator, DFPI, which is under a lot of scrutiny as of right now because they're uh, apparently being constitutionally, constitutionally challenged for their funding. Mm. Uh, so they, they may have some serious headwinds. But outside of them, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, which insures deposits, as you know. And obviously the Fed, uh, different regulators, uh, different scale and scope, but uh, sometimes work collaboratively together on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's move on because I think there's some more important stuff here. Stabilizing the financial system. The Fed plays a crucial role in stabilizing the financial system. Mm -hmm. They step in during financial crises to prevent widespread economic collapse as they did during the 2008 financial crisis. So interesting to note that's a bit of a different standard than what we've talked about before. Obviously, um, supervising banks and, you know, managing inflation, all these things, it's not quite the same as the responsibility to step in if things go really bad. Some proponents uh, of a free market, the Milton Friedman, for example, uh, would say that them stepping in does us more harm and they might actually be the catalyst for their own need to step in. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of a conflict of interest depending on how you look at uh, the, the restrictions and the roles. But that's the way the system is structured. So right. don't, don't it's, a, it's a really look. We we poke fun at it a lot, and but it's a difficult game for them to try to balance, it, especially given the fact that they're very much aware that there are all these lag effects, and it takes time for these things to work its way through the system. And sometimes after fourteen years, you don't really understand how much that elasticity has gone away. So let me ask you a broader question then. Let's just have a little hypothetical conversation between friends. Arun, I would like your opinion on this as well. If uh, all of these fun... What? what? Why? Remember I did that that one time? Oh. <laughs> I was having flashbacks when you did it. I was just like, yeah, that. you did it so like fucked up and didn't even I know didn't, it. I didn't even know. So wait, what? Why? What's going You're on? Like, why do you want to talk to him? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. All right. They're controlling the monetary supply, managing inflation, promoting full employment, supervising banks, stabilizing the financial system. There's a couple more here we're going to read in a little bit. But let's just say you heard that, that alone. Mm -hmm. Could it not be an argument that their powers are too overbroad and they should be split up into a monetary policy arm and a supervisory banking arm? Mm. Right? The next function that, they, that they, they do, they clear payments. The Fed helps process electronic payments between banks making sure that money moves smoothly through the financial we system. We talked about this. Right. Over $1 quadrillion last yes. year. Yes, we did. Right? They also advise the government. Fed provides economic advice to the government and Congress. You've seen Secretary Powell in front of Congress. Mm -hmm. and they I actually have a question about that. Here you go, Saeed. There you go, my guy. <laughs> Is the Fed responsible for managing the U.S. government's borrowing activities internationally or no? That's a good question. Yes, you. Yeah, no, I think he asked you. No, they're not. Mm. So who is? The Treasury. The Treasury is, yeah. Jan Do they you work hand-in-hand hand hand with them? Your girl, Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen. <laughs> Janet be yelling. <laughs> I had a rap song in my head. Oh, really? I was singing Jerry Hella. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got no Vaseline. Yeah, you can't say that Yeah, one. I can't say that lyric, but I can think it. Yeah. 
And I thought it, but I said Janet Yellen. Got it. Yeah. All right. So do they work hand in hand with them in the decision making? Kind of like what you just said, advising the government? Actually, it's it's really sad to say the government's been working completely against the Fed um, up until now, especially when you think back to the Inflation Reduction Act and the infrastructure bills that get passed. Those go completely against the Fed's mission of trying to lower inflation because by them, you know, printing more money, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, the Fed's been trying to accomplish quantitative uh, tightening, removing money out of the system. And then the government, on the other hand, is no, 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 we don't, we're not, we're not letting you play this game. I'm not going to get reelected if you do this. We need to pump more money out. So, yes, uh, to Saeed's point, they are actively working against one another. The Inflation Reduction Act was the best example we could point to uh, that happened recently. And I mean, there's also this the, the spending in the Ukraine, plus Biden's released oil reserves that we have right now back into the system. So, artificially kind of keeping oil prices down when in actuality we know that OPEC is going to sell us less over time. Mm-hmm. So there's certainly uh, a pretty pretty interesting power struggle playing out that is working against the Fed, but you would never see the Fed openly say that in a conversation. Correct. Right. So it's just kind of a, a known challenge. A great example of that is a lot of the jobs reports that we've been reading. We've always looked at them and it's like, what the fuck is construction so high? Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out um, a lot of that is government contractors and working on government projects. Right. So just think think of it as like the Fed, I guess, their, their sole function here really is to keep the economy going and growing, right? Not at not at a not like a, a company, a business that, you know, wants to turn over the best profits, you know, one year and then you don't know where it's gonna go after. They want slow, steady progress, like a two percent, right? That's two to three percent is the target rate, yeah. Yeah, and that way the, the economy continues to stay stimulated stimulated and continues to grow. But now imagine, so if the Fed is really working for the government. It, they're just their boss is just making it harder for them to do their job. 100% accurate. And I'll, I'll say that there are a lot of things that we think are really healthy for us that monetary policy in time and recessionary economies have proven to not be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, a healthy transitionary kind of period between jobs is really important. Mm-hmm. So having unemployment around 5% higher than what it is currently is actually considered healthy. Yeah. So if you don't have certain transitory migration between people going from one job to another job and people get too stagnant, you actually wind up in a situation where wages come down and it hurts the worker. Yeah. Right? Right. There's not a lot of competition in the space. Whereas you have a lot of transitory migration, people moving constantly because there's jobs that are out there, you got other challenges. So uh, right. it, it's um, it's a, it's a really hard game for them to play because you can imagine when inflation gets too high, okay, during an economy like what we've recently been experiencing – where employment is also at an all-time high. Higher prices make people want to go out and find higher-paying jobs. Higher-paying jobs requires businesses to end up charging more for their products and services, ultimately making this cycle go in an upward spiral, making it worse and worse and worse, ultimately to a point where eventually something's going to have to crack. Yeah, and I got to tell you, uh, if, if I were to bet right now, uh, I would say banking is probably on the forefront of of something that's going to crack. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about the central bank, and I know that's all well and good, but there's been a catalyst for the last several recessionary economies. And one could argue that there's always a snowflake, a very unique catalyst. And I've been worried about what the catalyst was for this recessionary economy for some time. I thought originally PPP and stimulus. But it's been a long time since that happened. 
I, I thought, okay, well, you know, January 1 of 2022, when the recession should have started because of two successive quarters of negative GDP growth, that that was what it was. We've seen this banking contagion period that was in March 10th. We've seen all these things happen. And now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, you got the treasuries, the 10-year treasury rising up. You got Fed funds being raised to this level. And even if they don't raise any more, they're going to hold higher for longer, their words. I think you've got a significant problem looming in the banking sector that may be the official catalyst for whatever recessionary economy comes next. But I think to, to your initial point, I think you're you're right the first time. The, the PPP and stimulus packages really is the thing that really kicked this whole thing off. You, know, right. you can't, you can't no. just expect to print $2 trillion and people just go out there and continue to spend and really cause this inflation to spiral out of control. I feel like the, the politicians thought World War Z was breaking out. They expected <laughs> Brad Pitt to roll down here and kill all the zombies. I mean, I'm not going to act like I knew how it was going to play out. I, too, was worried. But the amount of money that was just floating around. I knew you were a toilet paper hoarder. I knew it. No, I wasn't. You were a toilet paper hoarder. I wasn't. Oh, that's right, because you got a bidet in your palazzo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Arun, were you a hoarder? No. No. Well, I just rolled over to their house. Yeah, he did. During you, that time, he was basically living with us. Really? Using mm -hmm. a bidet? Yeah. <laughs> Does the hair get in the way? Not all of us have hair back there, man. You do. That's just an assumption. If there's any of us here that has hair back there, it's you. No, I, don't know. I did. I had a laser hair removal. Like, I'm good. Yeah? You got a video of it. No, I no, I don't. You Facetimed me. I mean, I I don't know. Are I don't your know. Sessions up. What you could Are have your been sessions up. Uh, I think I got one more. I, it's hard to tell. I don't really look forward to them. You got you a five o'clock shadow down there or what? Yeah. Uh, no, but there's certainly uh, it's thinning. No, it wasn't thinning. It was, believe it or not, just my head. Um, there is a um adjustment period afterward. Really, where. Believe it or not, having hair down there muffles a lot of feelings. Like if you have any type of flatulence, mm -hmm. it's not as audible when you got hair. Got Everything's it. dry, right? There's moisture wicking. There's, there's God, this is so bad. It's muffled. It's like a muffler. To remove all that, it's just it's very loud. Got it. Yeah, I'm gonna leave this alone. It's a it's a fascinating experience physically. Is it? Yeah, it, it's um, it's not natural. Okay, yeah, I know it's not. <laughs> yeah, it took a big learning curve for me. Yeah, yeah, going against evolution here. I really am. Booty sweat takes on a whole new meaning. Yeah, yeah, you can feel it now. And you're still only showering once a day. Uh, well, no, most of the days, two days. Two Come days. on, no, you're back. You're moonwalking again. I'm not moonwalking. No, no, no. If I I work out most days. Oh, is he moonwalking? Yeah, he's pulling a J. I'm not pulling a J. <laughs> I'm not okay. I uh, if I work out, I shower at night because I worked out. I'm very invested in your showers. Are you really? Yeah. Come over, watch me some time. <laughs> Take it in, brace it. I just want to make sure it happens, man. I got to deal with you I here. I don't believe you leave here at midnight, go home and shower before you go to bed every night, bro, without fail. Have to. Have to. <laughs> What's up with the look? How is that so hard to believe? Did you work out today? I did. Did you shower afterward? No, I'm showered tonight. Oh, wow. What? Wait, you're that guy? You're that guy? Yeah, what? That's a dirty birdie oh, move, bro. I would have thought you'd shower three times. That's what, was, that's what no, I was no, going no, no. for I'm right there. I'll shower, shower tonight before Ooh, getting in bed. That's way nastier than me. No, hell no. Arun, tell him he needs to hear it. 
Yeah, that's pretty nasty, man. Yeah. How's it not really? You can't be walking around all day long in your workout sweat. What are you talking about? Oh, and that's you're hairy what... down there too. Yeah, bro. Oh, oh dude. Come that's on. why you got. That's why you got the scar on your chest. That what? That's right? why you got that. that you walking around with a, dirty skin, that's man. That's a very very sensitive topic, man. Come I'm on. just telling you. That's that's how you get. Like you know. You're a doctor now. Yes. Mm. You can call me Weiss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man. You shower after you work out before you go anywhere. Who's else? got that kind of time, man? You do. Yeah, no. you take three. No, I don't have that. Take a third shower. How how long are you in the shower for? My shower's on average, I think like nine, ten minutes. What kind of shower are you taking? A lot, man. I do do some some face cleanser in there, too. I make sure I get in. Got shampoo, full body wash, scrub the back. You face, you, what's that called? You wash your face twice? What do you mean? Like cleanse it and everything? Aren't you supposed to do that once? With the cleanser. Yeah, what are you talking about? You don't do that? He doesn't do that? You, no, I know I do you do that. Once. I'm I know I do you it. do that. I don't do look at me once. like I'm crazy. I'm, I got a weird thing going on my skin. I think I've got like an autoimmune disorder, to be honest with you. I got like these rosy patches on my face. That, I feel like you're blushing when you look at me. That's hurtful. Okay. Why is it hurtful? I, I've got a physiological disease right now. <laughs> and you're making, making jokes? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number one villain. Number one villain. I, we didn't even try. You did that to yourself. Okay. I literally open up to you and say, I think I got an autoimmune disorder. And you're like, I thought you were just blushing at me. All right, y'all lay. Hurry up. Let's go. <laughs> carry on. I don't want to carry on right now. I feel hurt. I want an apology. Nope. Not getting it from me. It's okay. You smell bad anyway. <laughs> the last role of the Fed is issuing currency. Believe it or not, the Fed is responsible for issuing and regulating the supply of paper money and coins in the United States. And sadly... That does not include Bitcoin. Coins got to go away, right? It's such a useless increment. Soon, like ASAP. What, why are we doing that? That's got to go. If you carry change still and you're a man, <laughs> yeah. Like, where are you keeping it? My money don't jiggle, jiggle, bro. It folds. Right? Come on now. You're better than that. Yeah, just leave the extra money as tip. I, I, I called my mom like a year ago. Uh, so my mom is really active with the kids, okay? She doesn't give them a whole a lot of TV screen time. She likes to constantly be working with them, talking to them, educate them. I come over to pick them up one day, and she's teaching them like the value of like this is a nickel, this is a penny, this That's is a not di- work very well. right. And no. I'm just and and like I'm looking, I'm like, God damn, this is a waste of time. They don't need to know this. This is gonna be gone by the time they're adults. That's a but, villain move. But God bless her heart. That's a villain move. What's <laughs> that's cold blood? That's your mom. You bro. agree though. Huh? You agree, though. I don't think that not showing them the currency that's still in existence today is... I mean, let's work on division or something, you know? Multiplication or something. Maybe she was. Yeah. Let's teach them how to grow the money. How about that? Oh, my God. All right. Well, we've talked a lot on the show about some of these names. Names you probably will recognize if you are a frequent listener to the show. And if you've left us an honest five-star review, mm. if you haven't, you could be totally lost in this segment and be learning something new and for which we are here for you. Of course, that is contingent upon said five-star review. You know what we should? We should play a game, mm. like a draft board, where I pick one, you pick one, build out a team, a squad. Wow. Uh, okay. Who would be your first? Number one overall pick? Yeah. Easy. You know who? John C. Williams? No. Bostick. Raphael. What? He's happy with the race right where they are. He wants to keep it right here, baby. Mary Daly, baby. Mary Daly? San Francisco. That's, she's new. She's new, but she's on our team. Right. Yeah. These rates are out of control. 
San Francisco needs Batman. We don't need more rights. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because wasn't wasn't the um, who was it before? Odin, can you look that up? Wasn't it the guy from the bank that that got shut down? Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. I don't think he, no, he was just on the board. I don't think he, he was, was just on the board. Yeah, he was on oh, the board, okay, yeah. okay. Um, all right, so Boston is Eric Rosengren. Gren. I've never heard of him at all, frankly. I haven't heard of any. Pretty silent. See, this is, the, and that that should be the case for all of them. It should be right. That that would say that'd be more normal to me than I don't know, like Jerome Powell being on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, New York, John C. Williams. You hear about him a lot. He's a mandatory voting member. He's always out there. Philadelphia, Patrick Harker. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Never heard of Patrick. You. Uh, I think we we cited him recently on the show once. He was happy with race right where they right where they are. All right, Cleveland Loretta Mester. We've talked about her at least once or twice in the show. Chris thinks that she's a man. I still think she's a man. Uh, Richmond Thomas Barkin. Not a whole lot there. Not a lot. Uh, Atlantic uh, Atlanta uh, Bostic. Yep. Chicago Charles L Evans. Mm. I don't think I've ever heard of him. From him, ever heard of him? Nope. Uh, St. Louis, James Bullard. We hear about him a lot. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, Minneapolis. <sighs> Neil fucking Kashgari. <laughs> Kansas City, Esther George, Dallas, Robert Kaplan, and San Francisco, Mary Daly. So the reason why these are all spread out across the nation, right, is... Um, each of these are are responsible for their own districts. So they'll constantly gather the data from their districts, which also includes uh, supervising banks in and around their in and around their area. And when they get together for their meetings, they're all discussing how their districts are doing. Arun, do me a favor. Um, search the uh, see if you can find that all twelve uh, districts. Uh, not the photos. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, we're not a racist show. Thank you very much. Uh, see if you can find their salaries. Oh wow! You will be fucking blown away by how much these people are making. You think Fed and Jerome Powell's gonna be upset? Just brace yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I didn't look that up, please. <clears throat> Here we go. He got it. Look at that. He's quick, man. Pull it up, Jamie. All righty then, kids. President. Hmm. These are no, no. Is it talking about the no, the annual salaries are just a salary on, on the roll? The, the salary. Roll. No, no, no. This is. Yeah, I want to know how much the actual. Uh, no, not that. Yeah, I remember us talking about it once before on an episode. We talked about the FHLB salaries; those are much higher. Oh, that's what we talked yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. Or are you still looking, or what are you doing over there? Yeah, I'm still looking. Okay, just uh, just pick a name. Just uh, take John C. Williams' annual salary, New York. Mm. New York Fed, New York uh, Fed President John President. C. Williams. Yeah, he and he better be getting paid because he's also a voting member. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this: Federal Home Loan Bank President. You mm -hmm. know who that is? No idea. No idea. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Making millions, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, seven, yeah. seven figure gig. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, Rune. I'm um, still nothing. Significantly discouraged by your lack of progress here. What are you doing back yeah, there? I'm like struggling on this. One. Are you really? All right. Well, I'll hook you up. Because I, my friend, I know where to go. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Ooh, private browsing. What was I doing earlier? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. There, there you go. go. John Carroll Williams, uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York, United States, earns a salary of 
$100 per year. That's not enough, bro. Too much pressure on this guy. Jerome Powell salary. salary. So how much more do you make than this guy? <laughs> I make <laughs> a lot more than this guy. The most influential figure in America's economy earns just $190,000 a year, and he says that's fair. Wait, hold on. I'm the chair, and I'm only getting paid $7,000 more than Fed President John C. Williams? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell, man? Yeah, man. <laughs> Ruins like deep into this now. Now he's like, oh. Now he's like, fuck, really? Rapid fire. University President Patrick Harker earns, whoa. Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, that's not the same guy. That's not, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's university president. Yeah, that, and he makes almost a million dollars a year, and so we know it's not the right guy. Right. Yeah. That's not the, that's not the same guy. That's not the same guy. Anyways. But uh, effectively, yeah, they're all, uh, I think, less than $200,000. Mm-hmm. So uh, they are not highly paid positions. Mm-hmm. So you really got to love what you're doing. So I asked the question. Now, here, uh, while he's doing that, Arun, I'm assuming you're still looking up stuff. What I will give you is uh, FHLB president uh, of San Francisco salary. <coughs> this is going to blow you away. Okay, so the federal home loan bank president of San Francisco is getting $1,619,473. Come on, man. Yeah. What kind of world are we living in? Now, by corollary, Arun, if you could do me a favor and find out Mary C. Daly of San Francisco's salary, mm-hmm. $422,900 per year. Oh, wow, that's higher than I thought it was. Mary C. Daly, president of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Yeah, okay. So, look. So, the... She's coming in to clean up the mess. Yeah, she's getting paid more than Jerome Powell. Double. and a half. I mean, she's almost getting... That means she's almost getting paid as much as the president of the United States. Yeah, the other perks, though. I mean, these guys don't have Secret Service following around, right? Yeah, man, I know. But, you know All I'm saying is, is cut your boy Jerome Powell some slack. He's Me? trying to eat, man. Me? You, bro. He's you're the one eat. that's always on his ass. I'm all up in his ass. Yeah. Unless he agrees to be on the show, in which case, I apologize for everything I said. I recant, Mm -hmm. and I would love to speak to him as one professional who hates another professional to his face. All right, so is there anything else that we left left out as far as what we want to get into with regard to the FOMC or the Fed funds rate? Um, I think that's about it. I mean, we we have the meeting schedule we've talked about before on prior shows and when they meet. They 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 get together at roughly every six weeks, so that's about eight times a year. Yeah. Yeah. And they also provide like like we talked about before, um, every three months a summary of economic projections, which is basically their forward looking guidance on where they see things playing out over the course of the next year and the following year and mm-hmm. ultimately where this thing goes, not just during Hard times like like this, or uncertain times, I should say. But this is just something that they constantly do. Right now, it's in the limelight. So I do have a a great end that is not uh, Federal Reserve based to really play off of one of Said's fantasies. Uh, so stay tuned to the very end. But I will point out one key thing is missing that a lot of people think about okay. and they get wrong. The National Bureau of Economic Research, or ENBER, is responsible for actually the declaration of recessionary economies. You'll notice that none of the jobs that we talked about from the Fed are actually to declare a recession. And you would think that they should be. 
You would think that they should be. They step in during times of economic stress, which is not recessions. Mm -hmm. And the last time of economic stress they stepped in significantly was the Great Recession in 0708. That was the example. But it is not their job to know when we are in recession. It's their job to know when we are in tough economic times. Yes. So a big disconnect there on this whole, I think we can provide a soft landing. I think this. I think that. It's not their job. Who cares what they think? Yeah, and they have to also be very, very careful. So right now, there's a lot with where the Fed funds rate is at, at 5.5%, right? Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of stress on the system. A too much would cause something to ultimately break. It has been uh, widely accepted, and even Bernanke, or Bernanke, I don't know even how to pronounce it's it. Probably. Bernanke, yeah. shame on you. No, B-E-R-N-A-N-K-E. It's Bernanke. 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 Yeah. He's come out and even agreed that it was the Fed's doing that caused the Great Depression, right? That they they didn't they made it worse yeah. because their their quantitative tightening, their and them not letting loose sooner ultimately caused that situation to get worse. I'm a big Bernanke fan, man. I gotta I mean, be honest. Always Nobel, been a fan. Nobel laureate. Nobel laureate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of your boys. Mm -hmm. You still in the running for that or not yet, man? I'm just waiting. Uh, maybe we're dragging you down a little bit. You guys are holding me back. If Arun could search faster, I think we'd probably get it. Uh, that's one why. One time drop the ball. Ooh, one time drop the ball. I think on the up. last episode, you didn't even bring up the thing that we asked you to search. Yeah, he was like, nah, they won't notice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was over here on my phone yeah. searching. <laughs> we love you, bro. Yeah. I mean. He's, he's giving us the finger right now. What, what, happened, happened, was, what happened was. See, what happened was. All right. So, in celebration. Of one of Saeed's most favorite moments in American subculture. Me. In what is going to prove to be a pivotal moment of your life. The trial of Sam Bankman Freed starts tomorrow. This needs to be made public, man. It needs to be televised. It has, how is it not? It's got to be Gilligan's Island trial with SBF. And I got I to gotta see like Tom Brady's like live reactions. He needs to be tweeting this thing. Well... I'm glad you brought up Mr. Brady. Uh, there are some interesting things. This from an article from Market Watch. The five weirdest Sam Bankman Freed stories Michael Lewis told to 60 Minutes. Mm. So uh, among the revelations, SBF appeared, apparently wanted to pay Trump not to run for president. What? That's number five. We'll get there. But first, SBF played a video game during his first interview. Lewis said that Sam Bankman-Fried's very first TV appearance when FTX was gaining notoriety, he was playing a video game through it all. If you watch the clip, you can see his eyes going back and forth, back and forth. It's because he was trying to win the video game at the same time he was on the air. That's how little he cared, dude. This guy. Oh, it gets better. The fashion icon versus the schlub. Mm. Apparently, he was so wealthy and giving money away so goddamn much that Anna Wintour... Do you know who that is? No idea. Stop it. Sorry. I'm not sorry. She is probably the most important person in fashion. Come on, man. Yay. No. <laughs> Anna Wintour and Yay have a sorry, very interesting... do you know Devil Wears Prada? That was about Anna Wintour. I mean... Good job, Arun. Great pull. <laughs> there you go, British editor. You might know... Well, uh, she's, she runs Vogue, right? There you go. Hey. Oh, I got that, yeah. And I knew the face. Yeah, okay. Well, Anna Wintour is arguably the most important person in fashion. She is iconic. And uh, even though Sam Bickman Free dressed like a hobo, 
mm-hmm. everywhere he went, usually in shorts and a T-shirt. Uh, apparently, he was throwing away money like crazy. So, but uh, dude, here's the thing with those fashion shows: you see the models always walking down the the runway. Nobody dresses like that. No, no, this is the Met Gala, man. Met Gala is a lot different. Bro, I've seen the Met Gala and people wearing like cats on the shoulders. Yeah, but that's not that's... the point of the Met Gala. The point of the Met Gala is supposed to be a spectacle. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll have to do an episode where I teach you about fashion. In your flip flops. I dress down intentionally so I don't intimidate both you and Arun. Are you, are you still upset that you peed on yourself for no reason? It felt good. <laughs> it was very comforting. I almost drank it. Stop! <laughs> Too far, man. <laughs> it's a cure for botulism, I swear. Yeah. All right, so apparently Anna Wintour reached out to him, to Sam Bankman Free, to sponsor the Swanky Met Gala. Sam was a, quote, social experiment. He had seemingly infinite dollars and is willing to give it away. Everybody comes to the trough. Um, apparently, he took the Zoom meeting with Anna Wintour, but he had no idea who she was. God damn. Speaking about giving uh, money away, you hear about Mr. Beast sponsoring an NBA team? No. Yeah, so the NBA has, like, sponsors, like, one sponsor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Beast is the sponsor for the Charlotte Hornets. Why? Because <laughs> he can't. They're, they're going to take whoever pays the most. Right? Okay, let's stay on topic. You're going to like this. Okay. SBF and Tom Brady were buddies for real. They were actually really friendly. And apparently, he really liked Tom Brady. Yeah, who wouldn't? And Tom Brady really liked him. Because Tom Brady, because he was going to make Tom Brady a lot of money. Oh, but did you hear about Tom Brady's contract? No. Including $55 million to now former NFL quarterback Tom Brady for 20 hours a year for three years. What? That was the deal, kids. Tom Brady had to work with him for 20 hours a year, each year for three years, and he got $55 million. I'm pausing for emphasis. Take your time. This is just another level, man. Let that matriculate. Yeah. Or if you could scroll to the bottom a little bit of the same article before the, the top of the next one here. Up oh, there you go. Back up. There we go. Perfect. FTX's collapse and the subsequent fraud charges apparently changed Brady's mind. Brady was, <laughs> I think, crushed, Lewis said. And I think as time has gone by and he ceased to get a really good explanation about what happened, I think he's just like, he tricked me. I'm angry. I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. I wonder if that's why he came back to the NFL. I'm pretty sure. No. Yeah, man. Yeah, I wonder, these guys, these these athletes or these celebrities that get presented these deals, I mean, how much are they really vetting out? Oh, yeah. So, um, number four, SBF actually did want to pay Trump not to run. He thought he was a threat to democracy. How much do you think they were throwing around the figure? What dollar amount do you think it was they were tossing around for Trump? His team, somebody in his team came back with a number. What do you think his number was not to run? I mean, it had to have been hundreds of millions of dollars. $5 billion, and apparently your boy SBF was considering paying it. Considering paying it? Yeah. Apparently the, the talks didn't go anywhere. They weren't They weren't sure what was going on, but uh, yeah. That's he the, weighed the financial I mean, let that sink, let that value sink. of paying Donald Trump $5 billion not to run. Let that sink in for everybody out there that there has clearly been a time where somebody has wanted to run and there was a dollar amount for them to back out. Yeah. I will not run for $100 million. I'm a way better deal. <laughs> way better deal. Way better deal. I will stop doing this show right now for $1 million. Somebody pay me. 
Would you really? <laughs> no, man. Come on. Because I got to tell you, the day that Arun and I got rich, yeah, we'd be knocking on your door. Hey, man. Remember that one day you left? <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> How those taxes treating you, bro? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's called passive income, bitch. Invested on Dogecoin. And last but not least, apparently SBF's biggest concern about going to jail for his more than 100 potential years in prison if convicted is not the conjugal visits from other males. It's not the uh, inability to see his family. It's the no access to the internet. Oh, my God. I mean, that's, that's, that just shows you where it's not just him, but even, like, this generation, that's where their minds are at. I mean, you hear, I, I hear uh, even Sal on Mind Pump talk about all the time, all the studies, they say, Kids are less driven to go out and meet people and develop relationships with people because of video games and the internet. Bro, you got to stop gaslighting the young generation, okay? You can't make them feel bad for being gifted the technology they grew up with. Come on, man. This is the second time in this episode alone where you, you, right now, my you tried to big league. Don't my generation. My the third gener time. Third time you big league. My generation. You can't hey, listen, say that, bro. You're, you're lucky. You barely snuck into my generation. Okay, you're lucky. You're I'm a allowed. Boomer. Come on, you're Boomer. Gonna get, okay, first of boomer. all, you're going to get yourself canceled. <laughs> Come okay? on, Boomer. And Arun, and Arun, do you want any affiliation with this shit? All right now, no. The way he's waving his finger around. You are doing a lot of finger waving tonight, man. Don't do that. Don't do that. Matumbo could do that because he had weird ass fingers. You're doing that just looks demeaning. No, because he was an amazing defensive player. Okay. And kudos to you for remembering Matumbo. It's the only player I knew from my generation. No. Wow. <laughs> what team did he play for? Quick, 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 quick. Oh, what you want to know? The Nuggets, the Hawks. I mean, come <laughs> on, bro. The Sixers. What you take a pick? All right, look at you. Useless information you could have put towards the episode if you would have cleared up some of that memory banks. Mm, we got a championship off his ass playing in, in uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> we? Yeah. Since when is Philadelphia your city? We. No, Lakers. The Lakers beat them in the finals, bro. Uh oh, okay, sorry. Come I, on I, now. My useless information doesn't extend to that MVP, useless. defensive player of the year. Yeah, he, he, was, of the year, he, was, the of the year. he was the defensive player of the year that year, too. Mm -hmm. mm, look at that. Wasted information. And if you thought that was valuable information, go ahead. Go over to Apple or Spotify and leave us an honest. I already covered that early in the show. Five-star review. Oh, we have reviews to get into tonight. We do? We got two. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'll read one and Chris going to read one. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's get right into it so we can wrap this baby up. I got the first one. No, I got first, the first one. First one from... No. no Dizbola. No. What's up, Diz? What's up, Diz? How you doing, brother? Great banter. It's cut off. The title's cut off. It says, great banter and even better in dot, dot, dot. Five stars. I can listen to Saeed and Chris speak for hours. 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 Oh, you got one right now. So I mean, listen to all the episodes. on First on Apple, then on Spotify, and then head over to YouTube to check all the finger waving and pointing. Yeah. Seems, seems appropriate. Yeah. Love their chemistry and advice on finances and wealth management. It is physical chemistry. That is what we do. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. Lots of lust. If you want something that will keep you entertained while you're gaining knowledge, you need to listen to this podcast. You know, I feel like this was, he said, hey, Chad GBT, write me a review. Or your wife wrote it. <laughs> no, she didn't write this one. Go ahead. You want review number two? I don't, my phone battery died. I got it right yeah. here. Fun and informative from Sarah Eunice 42. These guys are really entertaining and provide excellent information. We do. That was very kind of her to say. Very kind. I've learned a lot through their podcast. I always look forward to the next episode. This is where we drop the 
Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg next episode. Do you think she really listens to every episode? Uh, I think since she heard about the podcast, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. You think so? I think so. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to every episode. Yeah. <sighs> oh, you got anything else? No, I feel like uh, I feel like I gave you all that I could. And uh, I apologize to the younger generation out there for Saeed's <clears throat> behavior and demeaning context. Uh, you can reach him at Saeed at HigherStandardPodcast.com. <laughs> that is my email address. <laughs> bang, bang, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Take us out. <laughs> oh, dude, you got anything else? Nope, I'm good. Of course. Of course, it's good. So I got, you guys leave me out to dry. Fuck both you guys, okay? Mm-hmm. Good night, everybody. That's S-A-I-E-D at the Higher Standard Podcast. <laughs> Bye.